Welcome to the Oncology Data Advisor Fellows Forum. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Wakas Huck. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks so much, Kara. It's great to be here today. So we're really excited to have you as the newest member of the Fellows Forum. Would you like to introduce yourself and share a little bit about your medical training journey so far? Yeah, for sure. So I'm currently a second-year internal medicine resident at NYU in a clinical investigator track. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. I did most of my schooling there. I went to med school at UT Southwestern in Dallas and graduated in 2021. Before med school, I actually took off some time studying in England and do a master's degree there. And then between my third and fourth year of med school, I was a summer scholar at Johns Hopkins, where I earned a master's in public health. And as a transition to residency, it was really important for me to get more exposure to my interests in health economics and clinical trials and clinical research, which I've been involved with. Um, and right now, I'm actually applying for the oncology match, so fingers crossed, and we'll kind of see what happens uh, later this fall. In terms of my training, uh, I mentioned my master's degrees and then being at Southwestern for med school, and then kind of looking forward to an academic oncology career, uh, which I can talk about a little bit later. And in my free time, you know, I like to explore Manhattan and check out the new coffee shops and uh, stay involved in some uh, different kinds of volunteer nonprofit work. Awesome. That's great. Um, so right now, uh, you're a resident in a clinical investigator track. What is your focus with this track and what opportunities has it provided? Yeah, for sure. So just to give a brief introduction, the clinical investigator track within NYU is pretty similar to the standard internal medicine residency. It's still three years long. You're not taking any extra years to complete the residency, but you get more elective time for research. And then you also get more mentorship and you get plugged in really quickly to find research mentors at the beginning of your residency, which can be a daunting challenge when you're starting in a new city, a new place, new institution, and you have to kind of navigate the whole landscape and try to find someone who's going to be a good mentor. So in terms of that, uh, my research is really with the melanoma division. I work with Dr. Jan Menard and also Dr. Jeff Weber uh, on various melanoma projects. And more recently, I've been working with the geo-oncology folks on finding ways to increase diversity in clinical trial recruitment through EHR algorithms and nudges. So that's kind of the focus of my, my research. Uh, and over the past year, we've had monthly recurring meetings where we kind of learn about research, we connect with other researchers in the CIT track. And there's about five or six of us per class. So it's a pretty small, tight-knit group. Uh, but the fact that we're all you know, sort of being engaged in research and sharing it kind of puts the pressure, so to speak, to kind of keep on pumping out more work. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the uh, specific research projects you've conducted or some of the ones that you've um, enjoyed working on the most so far? Yeah, for sure. So when I first joined residency, the, the CIT director at that time was, was Dr. Berger, uh, who was a cardiologist. But when I mentioned my interest in oncology and kind of looking at those sorts of uh, you know, fields, uh, he actually plugged me in with, with a lot of oncologists really quickly. And that's how I got involved in, in melanoma research uh, from the very beginning of residency, which was, I think, a huge blessing. In terms of the melanoma projects I've worked on, uh, I've done some uh, a sort of mission. So, uh, sort of mainly retrospective analyses. Uh, so I've done one project looking at outcomes of mucosal melanoma, which is uh, not as well characterized as other forms of melanoma, just due to sort of having less trial data and also just having uh, sort of a much lower incidence in terms of melanoma overall. And also I've been doing some work on sort of the optimal sequence uh, between immunotherapy and targeted therapy for patients with advanced melanoma. Uh, and actually, and also I've done some, some health policy research as well that was recently presented at ASCO, uh, you know, the annual oncology conference, uh, in, it was, which, which is in Chicago every year. So I just came back from that a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that's uh, uh, sort of been my melanoma research. Uh, but really looking forward for this year, I'm trying to learn a lot more about data science and machine learning. I think that's where the new wave of oncology research will uh, really be fruitful 
And so I'm actually working on a project where we're trying to find ways of using the EHR, using the health record, to find patients who are not uh, as well represented in clinical trials, like African-American patients, Hispanic patients, females, and then finding ways to give a nudge in the EHR so that providers can recruit them for a clinical trial if they're eligible. So it's a very early stage project, but I'm actually applying for a grant right now, a health equity grant to kind of get that uh, kicked off and going to be focusing on that for the next year. Awesome. It sounds like a really interesting and important project. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, you know, clinical trial diversity is very important uh, in oncology, not just for, you know, testing the efficacy of drugs, but also giving us better data about what kinds of side effects patients have and also about, uh, you know, fostering trust uh, between, you know, groups that have been underrepresented historically and also the medical system. For sure. Yeah. So uh, so you mentioned that you're planning to apply to fellowship this year. Mm -hmm. What are some of your plans for that and uh, what you're looking forward to um, in your fellowship experience? Yeah. So, you know, I did most of my schooling in Dallas, as I mentioned, I was in the South and in Texas. Um, The weather's obviously very nice there. Um, But one of the reasons I left Texas to come to New York was that I think it's important in different parts of your training to get a little bit of different exposure, see how things work in different parts of the country. Um, so geographically, you know, I, I'll sort of see where, where I'm at. You know, obviously, being in the big city would be nice. Um, but I've done a lot of, you know, you, you know, uh, acad- you know, sort of melanoma research. I've done health services research. So I want to find a program that can really support the kind of research that I've done uh, in the past. And really, I think any of the major cancer centers can support and foster those interests. And then I'm also, I also have an interest in being a clinical investigator. Uh, so really finding a program that gives me exposure to like phase one, phase two trials, that less fellows really take charge in terms of that uh, is, is another important aspect. Um, so, so really just finding a program that supports my career goals and gives me the time and flexibility to make those a reality as I kind of transition into the next part of my career. Definitely. That'll be really exciting. Yeah. So as someone who's currently um, in the midst of this process, do you have any advice for other residents you're planning to apply about, you know, what to look for in a program? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So obviously I'm still going through it myself, still in the, still in the weeds. Uh, So I'm not, I'm not a full expert on where to match to a specific program, but just some things I think that have been important for me so far and sort of at least identifying what programs I want to go to. Uh, The first thing, you know, I would say um, is a look at the program characteristics, right? So the last question was asking me about, about my career plans. So for anyone else who's interested in applying for oncology fellowship, look at your career plans. Are you trying to be an academic oncologist who wants to be involved in a lot of like, clinical trials and being part of different cooperative groups and going to conferences and being a big expert in a very niche type of oncology? Then obviously you want to look at an academic program. If you're looking to be very clinical, if you're not as invested in publishing a lot of research, if that's not what makes you feel sort of gratified, then look for a program that'll be more clinically heavy, right? And there are programs that will be very clinically heavy the first year and the next 12, 24 months are going to be very clinically focused um, as well. But then some programs are very clinically heavy at the very beginning. They kind of upfront it. And then later on, they give you a lot of research time. So that's definitely the first thing you should look for. I would also say, look at, look at the location, right? Is it in a big or small city? Is it in a rural or suburban kind of setting? Figure out what makes you, uh, you know, feel the best, sort of academically, professionally, and personally, and also look at things like how the how the fellowship is structured. So, in in some fellowships, the clinics are really being driven by the fellows. So you do uh, you get your sort of your your hands wet, you know, you're and you're you're doing a lot a lot of the maybe a lot of extra tasks to kind of coordinate care, but it gives you a better insight into how oncology care is, is really done. 
Uh, but in some fellowship programs, the clinics are attending driven. So you have a lot more oversight and supervision. Um, so you have to figure out which of those, which of those is better for you when you apply to programs. Uh, then of course, if you have an interest in a certain kind of tumor or therapeutic area, then you want to make sure that there are research mentors you can work with at an institution who will support your goals. So I would say those are some of the main characteristics that you look for in a program. Um, but I would also say that you have to also look at, at yourself as well, look at your career goals, look at what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, if you have any, any personal factors that may influence you know, where you want to be, um, those, those sorts of factors I think are, are some of the big things to look for. You know, obviously being in fellowship, you're, if you're applying for fellowship, you're, you're doing ERS for the second time. So the nice thing is that you can load a lot of your information into ERS when you're putting in the application. Uh, but there are, I think, a lot of the same advice that I would give for applying for residency and applying for fellowship. The first thing I would say is just like be on top of everything and know your dates. So make sure that you're looking at the ERAS program dates, look at when the token opens, look at when you're able to start putting in your information for the application, look at when information can be sent out to programs, and then look out for when programs can start reviewing information. It can take up to five business days for documents to be uploaded. Uh, including your rec letters, including your med school transcript, including your performance evaluation for med school. So you have to just make sure that you're on top of those things. Uh, I actually contacted my med school even before, uh, I think I think the very first day that ERAS opened, just to make sure that I get that in. And then it was uploaded uh, within within three or four days after that. So definitely staying on top of all your doc of your dates and documents, um, because you don't want to you know get that rec letter in a month late and then delays your application. Uh, and also following up on that, when you're asking for rec letters, try to ask, you know, several months in advance. If you're asking in May or June, it might be a little bit too late to get it on time. But if you ask your ask your letter writer early on for a strong letter, and if you mention that, you know, ERAS goes out in July, then usually they'll be able to accommodate and make sure that the letter is submitted well in advance of the process of time as well. Um, so really, the really knowing your dates is the first thing. Uh, the second thing I would say is just make sure that you're looking over every line of your application. So if some, if you're in an interview and someone fills out your ERAS, you should be able to look at any line of it and be able to go into more depth about it. Because your research, your volunteer experiences, uh, your different kinds of things in your background, uh, any, any notable parts of your training, just be able to explain that in a little bit more depth. Uh, and also, I would also build upon by saying that your personal statement uh, should be started several months in advance. So don't start thinking about it just a month or two prior. Even like in winter time, the, the season before the cycle opens, like just start thinking about ideas about your application, what makes you strong, what kind of theme you want to have, how you want to portray yourself. And as you go through training, you might find some interesting patient cases or encounters, uh, or you might do some more research or have some more experiences like going to a conference that you can kind of weave into your personal statement. And then by the time you get to your application time, you'll have a really solid uh, personal statement. And I would also say that getting feedback from people, whether it's friends, family, uh, from, from other, your mentors on your letter is also, also really great. Uh, and actually for me, I would say that when I've gone through the application cycle for med school residency and now fellowship, some of my, my best edits and revisions have actually come from people outside medicine, people with a literature background uh, who are really strong in writing. Um, they make some of the best edits because they can actually look at your personal statement and help you make it like a real narrative, like a real story. That's the other thing I would say. And then last thing I would say is just be informed, right? Be, be informed about the programs. The, each program has a, has a website and they'll tell you about what they want for the application, like how many rec letters they want to have. Or some programs will mention that on their personal statement, they want, to, they want you to mention like how much, 
like which research mentors you want to work with or what you see in terms of your career plans. And that information might not actually be on the EREF application itself. So just doing your research and making sure the documentation uh, is right uh, in terms of what you're reporting in the personal statement. And also making sure like simple things like you're not sending four letters when the program wants a max of two. Those are small things that you can do to make sure that you're not uh, missing anything. Um, so those are some of the main pieces of advice I would give to someone applying. Uh, and also, if you can have an email that gives you notifications when you're applying, uh, or sorry, when you're like receiving interviews, or even setting up a new email account just for your interviews will be nice because most people applying for fellowship are going to be in their third year residency. You're going to be on the wards or working nights, and then you get an email, and then you got to figure out how to triage between doing your work and then signing up for the interviews. And that can be a little bit more stressful, and that's something that I haven't experienced uh, because when I was applying for residency, it was it was during COVID, so I was I was at home for the most part. So. Uh, that's that's thing another challenge uh, that you have to kind of work out with your program. So those are some 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 basic pieces of advice I would give. Yeah, those are really great pieces of advice. Definitely looking forward to hearing more as you you know go through this process and about hearing more mm-hmm. about your research as you go. So for residents who are looking to uh, get more oncology exposure during residency, do you have any advice for how they can go about doing this? Yeah, it's a really important question. I think a lot of internal medicine residents feel that you get a ton of cardiology exposure, a ton of pulmonology exposure kind of GI exposure just through being in the wards and just through a lot of the rotations you do in the ICU, but you don't really get as much time to do outpatient shadowing or outpatient rotations. So it can be a challenge in a lot of residency programs to get adequate oncology exposure. Uh, I was thankful because within our program, we do have inpatient time for oncology and hematology. So I was actually able to trade in for several oncology rotations. And I did a hematology rotation uh, in the inpatient setting in my, in my second year of residency. So definitely doing inpatient time is important uh, because you'll usually have an oncology attending who you can work with or talk to. And if you just say that you're interested in the field of oncology, then they'll find ways to plug you in or to find ways to connect you to someone else for more opportunities, uh, which can also include outpatient shadowing. Uh, but really, I think the, the the bread and butter of getting exposure is just through your, out, your outpatient time or through your elective time that's not as structured. So I would just email oncology attendings and different subspecialties I was interested in, like melanoma, GI, breast, GU, just to ask for a half day where I could chat with them. And then sometimes I would even do a half day of one clinic and a half day of another clinic. And they get at least get enough exposure to kind of see how they interact with patients, uh, what kinds of drugs or diseases you're interested in. Uh, that's, that's very helpful. So I would say the inpatient time is important to kind of give you opportunities for outpatient shadowing. And then just really making an effort to ask them like what they like about their career, what kind of things they're working on. And the more you ask these questions, the more spontaneous opportunities will open up. The way I got involved in the project regarding clinical trial recruitment and diversity was just through shadowing a geo-oncologist in my program. And I kind of mentioned my interest in biopharma collaborations and health tech and economics. And he yeah, was happened to work on this project. He didn't really have anybody else on it. And that's how I got plugged in. And now I'm kind of the lead on, on this project. So just really keeping an eye out for opportunities like that. Mm-hmm. Also, I would say that it's important if you're really interested in oncology to at least get involved in some kind of research from the very beginning. It can be a case report. It can be some kind of retrospective project. Um, you know, of course, you can always get involved in bigger things like clinical trials or wet lab research. But those things can take two, three, four years to get publishing it out there. And unfortunately, with the timeline of residency, where it's only three years long and you're applying for fellowship at the very beginning of your third year residency, you don't only have much time to do these really long-term sort of, you know, high-level projects. So finding things that can be published on a, on a sort of quicker term, things that you can present as a poster 
I think those things uh, are all very important for getting more oncology exposure. And the last thing I would say is find ways to get yourself out there, right? There's ways like going to ASCO, right? You can find conferences to go to. And usually most programs will give some kind of allotment of time every year, whether it be two or three days to go to a conference, either as an attendee or even better as a presenter. And for, for residents interested in oncology fellowship, I would highly recommend going to the ASCO residence uh, students forum every year. Uh, if you're, if you get accepted as a, as a poster presentation in the, within the forum, then you get complimentary uh, registration for ASCO, uh, which, which saves a lot of money. And it's a great way to network and interface with, with other residents and other fellows. Uh, when I went to the, the forum earlier in ASCO this year, I met several uh, fourth year med students applying for internal medicine, but I also met several third year residents who are starting fellowship in oncology at different parts of the country. And it was kind of cool to just get their email or contact. And later in the year, if I get an interview, if I need some in-depth advice on what the program looks like, I can actually follow up and get some advice. Um, and of course, the way I got connected to you all is just by going to ASCO and just going to the booth and networking and just putting myself out there. So I would say combination of inpatient rotations, chatting in the outpatient setting, keeping an eye out for research opportunities, going to conferences uh, are really the best ways to keep yourself afloat of oncology. And then if you want to do things even beyond that, I would say that just knowing the basics of MixApp, your review materials for oncology, just, just kind of knowing that stone cold, it's just something that would be nice to do as you go through residency. And then the FDA also has a newsletter where they send updates for new drug approvals, which is kind of cool just to see what new things are out there and what things are in the works. And also just keeping up with some big journals like New England Journal of Medicine or JAMA Oncology uh, or Nature, just keeping out an eye out for big updates in cancer care um, is also is also nice every once in a while. So those are some of the tips I would recommend for residents to get more exposure. Absolutely. Those are all great tips. Um, and ASCO definitely has a ton of opportunities for residents and fellows. Um, are there any other conferences other than ASCO that you've been to or that you hope to go to? Yeah. So as an internal medicine resident, the ACP American College of Physician Conference is really nice. I've had things presented there, but I've not had a chance to, to go there just because of COVID. Uh, so ACP is a good conference for residents in internal medicine. Uh, for oncology, there's also uh, ESMO, uh, the, the European Society, uh, which uh, a conference which is, which is in Europe every year. Um, but, but ASCO is nice because they have the main conference in Chicago. Uh, in the summertime, just to kind of make everyone from the West Coast happy that it's not during the winter. Uh, but uh, they also have such specialty conferences throughout the year. They also have a quality of care uh, symposium uh, around the fall time, I believe. So ASCO is really the main one that I've been to. It was my first time going to a conference. But, I, you know, my advice for, for residents or fellows going to ASCO or going to these conferences the first time, like first do your research, like, you know, go to the program guide, figure out what kinds of programs you're interested in. There's just so many things going on to these conferences that you can't really get a great exposure to everything. Just pick one or two things. Like for me, it was melanoma and machine learning. And I just went to some of the lectures and learned uh, from that. So just pick a couple areas that you're kind of interested in. Also look at the names of people and see if you can get an email or a way to get an introduction. And also a lot of conferences, I mean, ASCO has a residence for a track. So every day of the conference, they had like a special lounge for residents and fellows and students where you could actually go to and just relax and like meet some mentors. And they had specialized sessions for learning about a career in oncology, what it's like to work in industry, advice for getting involved in clinical research. So if they have a resident track, I would actually just focus on, on that because that's where you'll meet a lot of, a lot of people uh, who are, have similar goals as you. So th th that's some basic advice I would say about, about attending the conference. Awesome. That's really great to know. One additional question I'll ask you is, um, 
what are as you we continue doing more you know interviews for the fellows forum and setting up some you know live panels with the other members mm -hmm. are there any topics that you're looking forward to covering yeah definitely so I mentioned my interest in melanoma research and a lot of new therapies that I'm interested in working on as a clinical investigator. Uh, another interest that I have is making sure that the drugs that I maybe help develop or help do trials for can actually reach patients uh, and be, be accessible. So I want to have more discussions about health policy and about, uh, about equity and care. Uh, a year ago, I published an op-ed uh, on the quantity limits uh, for patients, uh, for cancer patients who are prescribed antiemetics, like even old generation antiemetics and uh, there's actually like a lot of challenges with patients getting access to basic medicines. So I want to talk about things like that, about getting adequate prescriptions, um, having adequate access to care, uh, about making sure that there's equity in oncology care. So those are some other topics that I definitely want to focus on. Um, but then when there's things like ASCO that come up or big conferences, I think everyone's excited about the new therapies, the latest trial results. So just having panels where we can all kind of react and weigh in and give our own analysis on the trials uh, will definitely be very exciting. So overall, just a combination of just new research updates and also talking about uh, economics of cancer care. Definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing all these updates too. Yeah, thanks so much, Kara. It's great, great being on today and uh, look forward to having more conversations in the future. Great, definitely.